This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, breaking down all the betting angles you need to put money in your wallet. Suggs has got that change of gear where he can just slow down and speed up when high off the glass. Zags back up by two. Emhart weaving his way through. Picked up that dribble, though. Suggs three. Another one for Jalen Suggs. There are moments where he's just different. Here he is. Behind the back dribble for three. Yeah! Stop. Stop it, Dave. Are you kidding me? On the BetQL Audio Network. We warned you we're approaching the best time of the sports season, and it's here on Wednesday, March 10th. Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat, uh, with you for the next three hours on the BetQL Audio Network here weekdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, Radio.com app, 1430 in Denver, and live streaming on YouTube. Just go to the Radio.com sports page. Make sure you're subscribed to that page and hit like while you're there. Follow us on Twitter, at BetQL Daily. Subscribe to the podcast. Big show today. Jeff Feinberg, our buddy, will drop by to talk about the Players' Championship, which begins tomorrow. Ed Fang will tell you how to win the March Madness Pool at work. I might be running one myself. Doug Kazarian from ESPN's Daily Wager will focus on the NBA, but Doug can talk about everything. You watch him uh, every day on ESPN, too, talking all things sports betting. We've got college basketball to react to, Horvat. We've got the NBA starting back up. A cool uh, couple stat categories that I want to go over and touch them all. I think I've got uh, so, some really interesting angles with recent winners in a couple of stat categories, and we'll we'll share our own picks on the players. Oh, by the way, the beast, the NFL players have been franchise tagged, and now we are aware of what the cap number is, even though we know these organizations have known for quite some time. Yeah, we kind of knew this was coming. They knew this was coming, but down about 8% yesterday. Uh, I was waiting to see, and... Wisconsin, obviously, if Aaron Jones was going to get the franchise tag, I knew the Packers weren't going to franchise tag a running back, but there's some big names that are going to be available here in free agency, Joe. And uh, even though I'm excited, we got conference tournament action that's going to be tipping off while we're on the air today. I'm still excited for NFL free agency, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have Eli Hershkovich jump in in a few minutes and during the next segment because we have games during this show, which we rarely see uh, some college hoops games tipping off in about an hour from right now. Uh, Eli's the EP, board op, Jake Hassan, downtown Chicago, director Dylan Burns over in Philadelphia. Thank you for joining us every single day right here on BetQL Daily. Five tickets punched last night. We've got a bunch of Probably 15th and 16th, yeah. 15th and 16th, uh, Cleveland State takes the Horizon League. Drexel Colonial, Mount St. Mary's is in. Oral Roberts wins the Summit. Uh, the ACC started with Duke smashing BC. Notre Dame, exciting buzzer beater. Uh, we had what? We had Miami win the first game of the day. 
But the one that everyone was focused on, WCC, we've got Gonzaga running the table in the regular season and in their conference tournament right to the overall number one seed with a 26-0 record, Horvat. What an interesting game last night, man. I thought BYU was going to pull it out, but I did live bet Gonzaga. They were down by, I believe, 14 points late in the first half, but BYU was just shooting lights out. I mean, they scored 53 points in the first 20 minutes of the game in the first half, and they did it on 68% shooting from the field. They were shooting 69% from three-point land, so you knew Gonzaga was going to pull it out there in the second half. At least you thought it, but I think what we learned last night was they're really good. I mean, they're unbeaten. No, we did. We did not. We did not learn that but, last night. But, but they can be beaten. They can be beaten. If other team, if if we get to March Madness and the teams hit their shots, uh, I think that they can be beaten. It'll be tough. Uh, you know, they weren't beaten in the regular season, but I think that's what we learned last night. Hell of a game. Uh, BYU led by uh, as much as fourteen. So twenty-six and zero regular season, eight no in quad one games, and. I wonder. So, do we look at this twenty-six and zero like we look at some uh, thirty and zero with the running Rebs of UNLV? Uh, do we look at it like Wichita State or Kentucky in recent seasons? Maybe not because they didn't have the opportunity to play as many games. I disagree with you because you you say that we learned that they can be beaten, and of course that's the case with any team. Yeah, I I had a a very different reaction which I find interesting. So you think, okay, not that they're ripe for the picking, but maybe in the right matchup, catch them on the right day, they can go down. Maybe they're not going to the championship game. My reaction was, boy, if BYU can't beat them the way they were shooting in the first half, after leading by 14 points, everything's seemingly going their way. Obviously, script flipped in the second half when they're outscored 47 to 25. I get that. But my reaction was quite the opposite. Was boy, if if BYU can't get them in this day, tonight, like who's going to get them? Yeah, maybe that's a good point right there. If you shoot sixty nine percent from three and sixty two percent from the floor and a half, and you still can't beat them, and you still can't close with a fourteen point lead, maybe you do bring up a good point. Uh, they're definitely better than that Wichita State team from two thousand fourteen. Uh, that yes. was thirty four and zero. Um, you know, I wasn't around for the Indiana State undefeated run, obviously. This is a good basketball team. It's going to be tough to beat them, obviously. I just think that it can be done. Uh, there's some really good teams, Illinois, Michigan, and you never know what's going to happen in March. I think that that's just what we were reminded of last night. I mean, I feel like we haven't watched these conference tournaments or March Madness in like 10 years. It's only been a year, but having it ripped away from us last year. Um Definitely some exciting action last night. And then Oral Roberts, you brought up. That was my biggest sweat of the night. What an unnecessary sweat, man. They had a 25-point <laughs> lead in the first half, and it's yeah. a tie ball game uh, with seconds remaining. I had to sweat that one out. So overall, a good start for these conference tournaments. I'm excited, obviously, today, the Big Ten tournament uh, tipping off. The ACC tournament started yesterday, but we didn't really get any matchups that we were looking forward to. Um, I'm really jacked to watch this Duke-Louisville game. Eli Herskovich, our executive producer, co-host BetQLU twice a week. Subscribe to the podcast. What was your reaction to Gonzaga BYU? They dominated in the second half, like you said, Joe. That was so impressive after being down by 14. I, I was Jalen Suggs. We haven't seen a moment like Ooh. that, or at least a stretch like that. Yeah, where he just flat out took over. So that was my biggest takeaway. Like he hasn't needed to. And you know he can, Corey Kispert has had big moments in conference play. So is 
Drew Timmy there big, but we haven't seen that sort of a stretch for Suggs scoring-wise because he hasn't had to. But BYU also played in an overtime game the day before, so you expected or the night before, so you expected them to have some tired legs in the second half. I'm not saying that that necessarily translates into the tournament where Gonzaga can't come back in a second half and they won't come back in second halves, but it also wasn't set up well for BYU to play a full 40 at that sort of a level. Mm. Do you agree with what Preston Johnson said yesterday? He's, he mentioned on the show, check out the podcast if you missed it. He mentioned that uh, he hasn't bet, bet this way in the past with March Madness, but Gonzaga, the only future, got him before the season started at 10-1, to 1, and he hasn't added at all because they are so much better than the rest. Uh, Eli, do you agree with that or no? I think Baylor is right there, if not better than Gonzaga yeah. because of the way they could defend and because of how good their backcourt is defensively. Suggs is such a great two-way player, but Baylor's backcourt is so dominant defensively with Butler and Mitchell and even Teague. And then at the other end, they shoot at such a high clip and it's, they haven't dipped back. Like they're the best three point shooting team in college basketball. And even after the COVID layout, they had like a two game stretch where they weren't great from three, but then they've got, they found their shooting touch again. It hasn't regressed. Like let's say in Alabama, because Alabama was shooting the lights out at the beginning of the conference play kind of fell off. They're still a good offensive team, but just haven't shot at the, at the kind of clip they did at the beginning of the conference play. The one future I added, and we touched on this last Friday, Joe was Texas, because I think their athleticism Mm -hmm. can match up against a team like Gonzaga. And I'm still pretty bullish on that sort of a team because we're getting a, a, we got a buy low opportunity last week at points bet. And now that number is down from 40 to one to 20 to one. So that's sort of a team. I still like that plays at the sort of style or plays kind of has the potential to fulfill that top five ranking that they were at the beginning of the season, but I'm good. Otherwise I'm, I won't be adding before the tournament uh, other than that, other than that Texas future. As long as we're discussing that, I was actually going to ask you about that because we're sitting here days away from selection Sunday. Now we will have some conference tournament winners. The future number is going to come down a bit, but are we at the point where just wait for the regions? You find out the matchups, check out the path. If you're considering a future right now, do it then, or should we act now because we're worried that the team that we have targeted could win their conference tournament, and then you're going to lose the number. Right. I mean, I hate to say it's 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 matchup dependent, and it's it's. But I'm it's but I'm saying the then you then you know the math. That's that's my point. Like you you know the path right now for the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Is is it better to have more information and know the path for for the the big boy for the big tournament? Sure. If you haven't added a team like Texas and you could still find a a bigger number than what they're priced at now at most books at around 20 to one, that's a team that I like. And they have a pretty clear path actually to get to the big 12 title game. That's a a conference tournament future. I have that the big 12 tournament tips off later tonight. They would play. So they have Texas tech in the opener and they lost to Texas tech twice, but they match up really well, uh, played well for let's say three quarters of both of those games. Then they get Kansas if they win the Texas Tech game. And David who McCormick. Who they beat twice. Right, who they beat twice. And David McCormick, the bigger news is McCormick is going to be out for that game uh, because of COVID tracing and, and COVID protocol. So Texas has a pretty good shot to get to the Big 12 title game. And you can still find them at around 6-1. to one. If you can get a, a bigger number than what they're being priced at at a, at a consensus price, price across 
the college basketball title futures market, Texas would be my luck. But I don't think we're going to have a situation where you get a, an Auburn going back to a couple of years ago where right. you're going to get them at a pretty big number. And and still, at most books, they were, they were around, let's say, 30, 40 to 1. So it's not like it was that big of a number. Oregon is the team that a lot of people are hyping up because yes. they're around 60 to 1, 70 to 1 to win the to win the title, and they're still around plus 200, plus 300 to win the Pac-12. It's just tough to, even though they have the talent to make a run, it's tough to look at a team like that just because of the the overall context of the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, basically my point is, if Texas wins the Big 12, are you going to lose the number that's available right now? Same thing with Oregon. They win the Pac-12. Are you going to lose the number that's available right now? Oregon, yes. Oregon will probably be priced at around 40 or 50 to one if they win the Pac-12 tournament. Texas, I mean, how much lower can they go? Like 15 to one? You might see a 15 yeah. to one pop. So if you if you want to grab a 20 and you don't find any other other number and you don't have a lot of futures, I guess you can go with that. But I can't see them dropping to like 12 to one. What what about in the ACC, Eli? Like if I wanted to play Virginia, you know, and it's twenty two to one right now, and you have Florida State, they're right there, twenty to one. And let's say Virginia just rolls through the ACC tournament, they beat Florida State in the championship game. Do you think that there'd be a big difference? Like maybe they drop to eighteen to one or anything like that, or do you think it would stay around the same? Like how much? How much would that matter? The conference tournament, like let's say if that was a close matchup between a team like Virginia and Florida State, you know, where they're right there, twenty two to one, twenty to one. Yeah, if they beat Florida State, sure. I'm just not sold on Virginia because of their right. defense. And it's not like yeah. they have the athleticism in a pack line defense like they did from a couple of years back when they won it all. And they they play it, you know, everyone's talking about Loyola Chicago. You have to be ultra efficient when you're playing at that sort of a pace. When you're playing, when your possessions per game is bottom 10, bottom 15 in college basketball. And they had, like that team from two years ago, had a, a couple high-level scores on it, whether it was Kyle Guy um, Diakite down low was so efficient and they didn't have to rely on a key, a Clark who they have to rely on more. And he's not as uh, of an efficient score. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sold on a Virginia, but I guess if you want to uh, take a bet like that, take a title feature like that, you, you'll, you'll get a better price. Um, if, if they, you know, before, if they were to win the conference tournament. Eli, we might as well hit on this before we get to the break. And uh, coming up in the next segment, we're going to go over uh, the games today. We get 33 of them Big 10, Big East, Pac-12, Big 12, SEC. You can go down to the Mountain West, Big Sky. All these tournaments are starting today, so we have a lot to go over. Uh, Let's hit this because we've covered it over the last couple of days about if you can get a decent number, plus 250, 3 to 1. We've had guests that agree with this. You might want to take a look at Oregon to win the Pac-12. And then Eli has discussed Texas, like he just was a moment ago. Eli, am I missing value anywhere with with these uh, big conference tournaments, the power ones starting today? I have a long shot on NC State at around like 100, 150 to 1. They play Syracuse in an hour and a half-ish. But that number's down to 50 to 1 at most books, so I wouldn't touch that. It's more of a long shot play, more of a numbers play than, you know, I mean, listen, 50 to one still isn't a bad bet, but I would much rather have a hundred or 150 to one. So I would not bet NC state at 50 to one. Um, the rest of the conference tournaments I'm going through my futures right now. I have Oregon in the pack 12. Yeah. I have the Texas one. You mentioned big 10. I'm staying away. If you could find a Wisconsin, just because it might be a buy low price yeah. at around 20 to one, but I haven't seen that out there. It got bet down pretty quick yesterday. That's, that's pretty much it across the board. SEC, 
you at this point with the way Kentucky's been bet down, maybe a money line rollover rather than trying to find a 15 to one because they were 30 to one a couple of days ago. All right, Eli, don't go anywhere. We're going to go over maybe not all 33, but the games that we like today as it really kicks into high gear with all the tournaments starting. It's Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat, Eli Herskovich is sticking around as well. We'll go over uh, the college hoops action starting this morning. You're locked into the BetQL Audio Network. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ryan Horvat on the BetQL Audio Network. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at BetQL Daily, at BetQL Daily. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, and Radio.com. Eli Herskovich, the co-host of BetQLU. Subscribe to that pod as well. Got a lot of podcasts, a lot of content here over at the BetQL Audio Network. Eli Herskovich, um, caught a few minutes of you last night. And, of course, you can't help yourself. Like, DePaul comes up, and you've got to slam them, and you've got to talk about the press conference, which uh, it just lives in your nightmares with Dave Lado. Yeah. I mean, he does deserve to get fired immediately <laughs> after the game and in the press conference, like I said to uh, – You think they're the going to? Chicago yesterday. No, they're not going to. I would love okay. it if it happened, but he should get fired, you know, three hours after the game, four hours after the game the next morning. If he doesn't with a new AD, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, what? Yeah, nobody cares about DePaul. So, um, unless we're going to bet in, on that Providence game, okay. Let's let's go to the Big East then, since uh, we're there. We've got what a few games today: Xavier Butler, Marquette, Georgetown, Providence, DePaul tonight. Uh, do you like any of these? I think there might be some value with Georgetown with the way they're playing, going up against Marquette. Um, Georgetown matches up well in this sort of a game, especially with their perimeter offense. Georgetown is the highest three point. Uh, field goal percentage, the third highest three-point scoring rate in Big East play. Marquette giving up the has the worst three-point perimeter defense from a percentage standpoint and from a scoring rate standpoint. So the amount of points that they give up, that's divided up between at the free throw line, inside the arc, and behind the arc. And they're giving up the most points in Big East play from behind the arc. I guess within a possession, Georgetown could keep this thing kind of tight, but I would love to get a three-and-a-half or even a four before I took Georgetown. Marquette's not making the tournament, so this isn't any sort of a, a seeding game unless they win the whole thing and they get the automatic. Just not going to do. So I would go with Georgetown, I guess, at three, but not enough value for me to take it. Yeah, I don't hate that at all, and especially when you consider the fact, like Marquette got in a little run there at the end of the season. They're 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six, but in 19 Big East games this year, uh, they've only covered in seven of them. What, what do you think about DePaul tonight, actually, Eli? I kind of like that number. I know that they're kind of a disaster. I mean, they are a disaster. What do you think about them, though, tonight? Uh, Eight-point dogs. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of value getting th- three possessions against Providence. I actually have a future on Providence. So, Joe, you mentioned some of the conference tournament futures. You could still find a Providence around 25 to 1, 20 to 1 at some books. I have Providence at 30 to 1 to win the conference tournament. And it's tough because people are looking at that team and they're saying, okay, you're going to go up against UConn. And the market is obsessed with UConn right now with the way they're playing down the stretch. Who have they beaten, though, is the is the counter I always like to bring up. And it's true. I mean, they've beaten Georgetown twice. I know I just brought up the Hoyas, but they're not any sort of contender. And this is a down Big East, kind of similar also to Oregon, which we were talking about in the in the last part of the show. Just how, like, within the context of the Big East, how much can you take away from a team like that, even when they're playing so well down the stretch? But back to your question about DePaul and Providence. DePaul has a decent interior defense where Providence relies on their interior scoring so much with Nate Watson, one of the better bigs in the Big East. And DePaul can also 
score down low in their own right. And Providence giving up the highest two-point scoring rate. So, again, the most amount of points inside the arc in Big East play. But Providence also has a pretty big size advantage in this game. If they can control the offensive glass on their end of the, on their end of the floor, uh, DePaul not a good defensive rebounding team. If Providence could control the pace, not allowed to pull the speed you up. So get those second chance opportunities for the Friars. They should be able to win this game, should be able to blow them out. Uh, can't bet the game myself, but I would stay away from the game. Uh, this means more to Providence just in terms of making a run of the conference tournament. They have to win the whole thing to get in, to get an automatic bid. I would stay away from DePaul. All right, Eli, let's head over to the Big 12. We've got two games today. TCU, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Kansas State, and Oklahoma, a heavy favorite of 11-and-a-half points on points bet against Iowa State. Yeah, I kind of like starting off with K-State. I actually like both dogs, surprisingly. Shocker, I know. I, I kind of like K-State getting over a possession against TCU. Uh, K-State has not a size advantage in this game, but they kind of similar to DePaul, like I just mentioned. They could score down low, the second-highest two-point scoring rate in conference play, and that's how they score. I mean, they're so inconsistent from behind the arc. They have no three-point shooting, struggle from behind be, uh, behind the arc last year, too, but you lose a guy like Xavier Sneed, you're really going to struggle to shoot, and Mike McGurl is probably their best three-point shooter, but he's so inconsistent himself, 31.6% from behind the arc. Nigel Pack being healthy is big for them. He missed a couple games down the stretch, but the key for them is just getting inside, getting to the rim, and Deshaun Gordon is the most important factor for them in that sense. Um, TCU giving up the highest two-point scoring rate in conference play. So again, if K-State is able to attack the rim, get into the lane, and then play inside out, they should be able to cover the line and should be able to win this game. I would go with K-State getting a possession, but that's more of a lean, stronger lean. Eli, moving over to the ACC, we're going to get a tip-off here in just a few short hours. You mentioned you're really high on NC State. They take on Syracuse today. Uh, Miami takes on Clemson. But the game I wanted to ask you about was Duke and Louisville. Duke uh, opened up two-point favorites. Now I see them as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Are they going to be able to keep rolling? And one thing I don't understand is why people were playing Duke Futures uh, because they have no shot at winning the ACC tournament. They just don't have an NBA player on this roster right now to get them buckets in the final five, six minutes of these games when you could just continue to play them on the money line every single night. But what are your thoughts on, on Duke? Are they going to continue to roll and beat Louisville, or do you see it the other way today? Yeah, I I would love Louisville if Malik Williams was playing, but he's most likely out for this game. Yeah. And he played a big role when he was healthy in that Duke game, going back to a Cameron Indoor from a couple of weeks back. The key is, is even with David Johnson healthy, Matthew Hurt went off in the last game, had a big game. They just, with that high release, it's so tough to match up against. Mm -hmm. And even with a, the athleticism of Johnson, it was still tough for Louisville to be able to slow him down. And he had big games in both of those Duke losses to Louisville this year. Now, if you look at the perception of, well, can you beat a, a team three times in a season? The I want to pull up the exact record year by year, but it's not like that overall. That's one of the more, I guess, misperceived uh, notions in college basketball that you can't do it, that you can't beat a team three times in a year because you look at the overall records year by year. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, it's pretty it's, it's pretty uh, insane just to think about the number. So in 2010, third time in a row in a regular season, this is the record of the team trying to beat a team for the third time in a regular season. In 2010, 74 and 31. In 2011, 75 and 37. 
In 2012, 88 and 28. This is outright, but still the line's about a possession. In 2013, 86 and 26. In 2014, 88 and 30. In 2015, 95 and 39. In 2016, 91 and 37. 2017, 98 and 32. 2018, 84 and 41. And in 2019, a couple of years ago, 77 and 37. And last year was 49 and 25. So that that is one of the most you know irrational thoughts. Just that if you want to bet a team just because you can't, you don't think they're going to be able to beat a team uh, for the third, or you don't want to bet a team because you don't think they'll be able to beat a team for the third time in the season. You just shouldn't go off that perception alone. But I, I will say I, I lean towards Duke because of the Malik Williams factor. That's a big presence down low for Louisville. Just great second chance opportunities, even with the offensive presence of a car like Jones, who might be the ACC player of the year. So lean Duke staying away, though. I'm glad that you brought that up real quick, Eli, because sticking with the ACC, like the first game today, I want to back NC State. I almost played an NC State future. Instead, I, uh, you know, went with a couple different teams in the tournament here. Uh, but, you know, they're one of the hottest teams. They won five straight games, but I can't get it out of my mind. Just the Syracuse did beat them twice already this year. You don't think that that matters as far as that first matchup with NC State and Syracuse today? It matters. Yeah. Like, it's definitely a motivational factor, but it's not the only factor. Some people just bet teams by by that alone, saying you won't be able to beat a team for the third time of the season, which is ridiculous. Matchups matter. Like, Texas, Texas Tech, just looking ahead to tomorrow, we were talking about the Longhorns a little bit ago. That matters at Texas Tech sweeping the regular season series, but Texas also matches up really well. And that's definitely a motivational factor, but there's also other factors that go into it. And NC state has a pretty good front line that should be able to attack the Syracuse zone. If they can get to the free throw line and inside from there, NC state uh, won their final regular, uh, won their final five regular season games. And they have a lot of depth in the front court. Again, if they can penetrate and get to the rim, Sebron is probably the key to NC State in this game, the freshman who's pr- playing really well, 6'7". Helms is also stepping up in the front court after they lost a couple of guards. They've relied on their scoring inside more. Funderburk, this is a very good NC State front line that they have to be able to at least keep Syracuse honest from three, but they shot well in both of those games against the zone um, in those two losses. And NC State was leading down the road uh, at Q's, covered the, I believe the uh, full game line didn't cover Second half, Q's came back in the second half. But if NC State can at least shoot the three ball at a 35% clip, 34% clip like they did in both of those games, and their front line is playing like they have in the last week or so, I think they cover and keep this thing within a possession, if not win the game outright. Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat. This is BetQL Daily. Our guest is our executive producer, college basketball expert. His name is Eli Hershkovich. Uh, we got to keep it moving because we have three more conferences uh power conferences starting today. How about the Big Ten? There are two matchups. The Northwestern Wildcats favored by a point and a half against Minnesota and Penn State minus six and a half against Nebraska. Yeah, let's start off with uh, Minnesota Northwestern. I have no interest in betting this game. Um, Minnesota's lost seven in a row coming into it. Northwestern, yes, they've won three in a row. So I guess Chris Collins saved his job, but they beat Minnesota. They beat Maryland, who's a tournament team, you would think, maybe just inside the bubble at this point. And then they were able to hang on against Nebraska on Sunday. It's a tough matchup for Minnesota, even though the line is swung in their favor. Ryan and I were touching on this before the show started off. They were two and a half point dogs yesterday. Now the line, depending on where you're looking, is around a pick. Minnesota minus one. If they can get to the free throw line, which is Northwestern's 
one of their biggest issues defensively, if not their biggest, because Minnesota is so inconsistent from three. If Marcus Carr can attack the rim, Liam Robbins' health is also an issue coming in for, for Minnesota. But if they can get to the free throw line and, and keep Northwestern from trying to play at a faster tempo because Minnesota wants to slow it down more so than speed it up, then they should be able to win the game outright. But I don't think it's enough of a, you know, enough of a strong of an opinion to back Minnesota uh, tonight. And then the other game that you mentioned is Nebraska and Penn State. Penn State played really well against uh, against Maryland in the second half on Sunday, came back down by double digits for much of that second half. But their offense finally started to get to, to uh, get going. I think this ball pressure for Penn State is going to give Nebraska a lot of issues. Now, I'm not going to lay two possessions. But Nebraska turns it over at the highest clip in Big Ten play. Penn State turns you over at the highest percentage. They did that to Maryland down the stretch on Sunday. So if they could turn uh, Nebraska over like they have been for much of conference play and get to the rim, uh, keep their perimeter shooting going, the fifth highest three-point scoring rate in conference play, uh, should be able to cover this line. But I'm not going to lay two possessions. Uh, but that would be my lean is is the uh, Nittany Lions tonight. Uh, Eli, anything you like in the Pac-12 tonight? No. I don't really see any value Uh, looking at the uh, Washington state, Arizona state game, Arizona state is going to be without two of their freshmen again in Bagley and Christopher. They're both not playing. A lot of people were on Arizona state throughout the season, but I would stay away from ASU today. Isaac Bonton might play Wazoo's point guard. It's around ASU minus one. I kind of ask why is ASU favored at this point, especially without two of the better players and Bagley means so much to that team on the offensive end of the floor when he's fully implemented in the offense. Remy Martin can go off on any given night. If Bonton plays, I would lean Wazoo, but otherwise staying away. Just one SEC game, Vandy, Texas A&M, anything that game or anything else we have not touched on. Yeah, I want to hit on going back to the Big 12, Iowa State and Oklahoma. I love the matchup for Iowa State. I I uh, bet Iowa State in both of their games this season against Oklahoma. They match up from three really well because that's Oklahoma's biggest defensive issue is defending the three. And Rasir Bolton, Iowa State's point guard, is going to play. So I lean ISU. The spot, though, is not good because OU, the game means a lot to their uh, seeding for the NCAA tournament and in terms of just getting hot again, trying to find their rhythm, losing four in a row going in. We're all happy with this time of the year, but no one is as happy as Eli Hershkovich. Thank you, Eli. Follow him on Twitter. Check out BetQLU. Coming up next, let's hit the links with our buddy Jeff Feinberg. The Players' Championship starts tomorrow. We'll get some picks on the BetQL Audio Network. From the court to the ice, we're going to help you put money in your wallet. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ryan Horvat on the BetQL Audio Network.